0: All right, guys, uh, welcome to the Ravit Show. And uh, yeah, very happy to have uh, Sarah today as a guest on the Ravit Show. Uh, I will be will be actually discussing about her data science journey uh, till today. And uh, we'll be also touching uh, areas where, uh, you know, uh, talking a lot about uh, Data Nomad, the importance of uh, data literacy. Uh, also, uh, Sara will be letting us know about uh, her journey in data and how books have actually helped her shape uh, her data sense uh, journey. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's happening. And also, uh, Out of all this, uh, we'll also be talking about the new courses that Sarah is creating for us. Uh, So that's on the cards. Also, before I get Sarah on board, uh, I would like to thank our partners, 365 Data Science uh, and how to get analytics jobs by Albert and John. Obviously they are doing a fantastic job. Don't forget to visit them. And uh, also uh, one quick uh, heads up, the uh, five best questions here. Uh, today, we'll be winning uh, annual subscription of 365 Data Science, so don't forget. Uh, okay, uh, let's get going and let's welcome Sara. Sarah, welcome to the Rabbit show. How are hi, you? Hi,
1: Ravid. Good. How are you?
0: I'm good. Uh, so, uh, we'll be discussing a lot, many things. I was just trying to let the audience know the discussion topics today. And there are a few folks who are joining in. There's Kush. Uh, hi, Kush then there's dr tarik uh, robert hey robert from youtube awesome camden hello
1: good morning awesome good, good evening from everywhere
0: awesome <laughs> so sarah uh, talking about uh, uh, your journey uh, i would want you to actually introduce yourself first
1: sure um so yeah. Yeah, it, I I I love hate this question because <laughs> you never know. Where to start. <laughs> I remember the first time I ever walked through my entire data science journey was on um, with Bo and Terry and all of them, and we had done our first session. And uh-huh. I think I, I think I started from when I was like thirteen and wanted to be an aspiring chef. Um, wow. And uh, yeah, so we all, I think, have our our passions when we're young and then get very shocked when we realize as adults um, (laughs) where we ended up. So I um, I my journey started, I think, when I was in college, I thought I wanted to go into med school. I thought Mm -hmm. I wanted business. We all are confused when we're in undergrad. And cool. I don't think any of us really saw what was going to kind of become this data evolution. I mean, some of us did. Mm-hmm. I, Those of us who graduated, I thought I was <laughs> a mechanical engineer at the point that I had um, kind of made a decision for myself. Uh-huh. I thought, OK, I'm going to go into renewable. And I really want to make a difference on the world from this point of helping us be a little bit more. Mm-hmm um cognizant about the waste that we put into the world and kind of how can we help it from that standpoint and i Mm. remember graduating and having two resumes and being like let the job market basically dictate where my where my journey and i ended up at a startup um that did data science on um marketing campaigns. And that was a huge mm. thing. A lot of agencies existed to help optimize marketing campaigns. And that was actually a very, very cool first job to have. Um, and actually, mm. they say a lot of the smartest people are working on how to get people to click on ads, um, which isn't mm. wrong. <laughs> the ads <advertising laughs> is such True. a huge bed for data. Um, we're gonna see an evolution in that as um mm-hmm. I don't know how in in plugged in you guys are to like the new um iOS fourteen changes and privacy changes. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's all very interesting to me. Um, hey. And, yeah, then I worked for a mobile gaming company for a couple of years, and now I'm at snapchat. Wow. so um and I work as a financial mm-hmm. analyst there. so, random odd jobs that <laughs> into, I think, some of the later topics that we'll talk about, so.
0: Yeah, but I think uh, it's been like, uh, it's a very inspiring journey. That's what I can see, you know, from mechanical engineering to uh, financial analyst. I share a similar journey where uh, I I come from a finance background and then I'm here marketing and, uh, you know, talking to data folks in data field. So I, I think we all have our journeys, but yours is one inspiring one. Um, So, yeah.
1: Thank you, Ravi. Yeah, I think uh, listening to a lot of folks, it's it's, no one has, there is no standardized way to get into Mm. and really grow within the data science community. Everyone has a very Mm. unique journey. And I think that's what makes our community so strong is that we are so Mm. diverse in our backgrounds that right. we all get to really leverage each other's um, expertise in those domains and really do a lot more. And so, um, yeah, I think hearing everyone's, everyone's uh, stories is really interesting and fun.
0: Right. Yeah, that's so true. Talking about stories also, we have Andrew Jones here who says uh, that uh, you'll be a part of the Hidden Layer initiative that he's coming up with uh, and which uh, has to deal with a lot of... Uh, mental health and well-being uh so yeah looking forward to that andrew thanks for bringing this up like and, yeah, we'll and we'll also be talking about a little mental health why is it important and how it is important today in our today's session so yes also we have a few more folks who are joining in scott taylor is here scott. hey scott <laughs> then we have uh obviously linkedin user it's kate <laughs> hey kate <laughs> So talking about community, it's always about, you know, uh, Kate, whenever I see her doing something and every time it's something new uh, that comes up, like literally she posted about something uh, that she's coming up, which is data industry. And in just like three hours, um, I see her posting that uh, in three hours she got thousand registrations, which is unreal to me. But uh, I think data community is very big and huge what What do you think about data community how How long have you been here, and how is your journey been till date?
1: Yeah, it's been interesting actually. so um mm-hmm. no one can compete with Kate. Kate is a powerhouse on LinkedIn, so. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, my journey started in 2018. So, actually, I was going through a lot of personal things at the time. I had taken up two jobs. I was working um, oh. at the agency I mentioned, and I was teaching at USC. And at the same time, um, so Randy and I were working together, and um, oh. we were connecting over kind of the things that the the things that we would see on LinkedIn. And I think that's the point mm-hmm. where like, Bo started popping up, and he was like, "I want to do." these data science office hours and it was actually an amazing um initiative that he was taking on with uh terry with Fabio, with eric um and it was really amazing to kind of see that um and i was i wanted to be a part of it i thought you know how great like kind of coming back to this um diversity Uh, concept I was like you know it'd be nice to have representation from you know all different uh, backgrounds to kind of help address the the data science community mm. so that was actually when I first started getting into you know um, yeah. get in tune with the conversations that were going on in the LinkedIn community and and just in the data science community at large and seeing mm-hmm. how much opportunity there was to really you um, Kind of inspire and also just create conversations around the things that we were going through um back two years ago which seemed oh no three years ago wow it feels like so time is passing (laughs) (laughs) time is flying nowadays um oh my god i can
0: only imagine uh,
1: so so that's when it all started i think there was a lot of opportunity we grew the community so much i think from that point it was kind of um there was a few voices that stuck out but by 2019 mm. i think um i just saw so many new people putting their voices out there i think they had caught on to right. the idea of creating a brand for themselves as a part right. as an important part of their data science journey um it wasn't mm. just about learning the technical stuff and just being um good as in their own right, but also engaging with the community, uh, putting themselves out there, creating a brand for themselves, getting themselves noticed, mm. um, and and that being right. a critical piece for them landing landing their first job potentially. Right. So. Yeah,
0: exactly. I, I think, uh, you know, uh, that's a very right example that you've, you know, just given out there where uh, personal branding, it, it actually gets me to an important topic and an important question that I have. How important do you think uh, personal branding in data is today? Like, I, obviously, there are people who might have a different opinion where they feel that, uh, okay, personal branding is uh, good enough, uh, but not necessary enough. What do you what do you think about it, Sarah?
1: so the way that I think about this it's 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 tough right so I think mm. that <laughs> I think that it your your work can speak for itself and you can have zero involvement with social media so we can talk about that right like like yeah exactly social media and you know we'll tie this back to this mental health piece is that it could be it mm. could actually play a a bad role, right? So if you are someone who doesn't like social media, doesn't want to be involved, there are ways that you can create a brand outside of LinkedIn, outside of Twitter, outside of all of these. um, Mm -hmm. uh, There's ways to keep in contact through conferences, networking through um, creating a website, putting all of your projects online, right? So that could be the way you create your brand. LinkedIn just happens to be a medium for connecting with the community and just... Um, really engaging with with uh, really amazing folks who are just excited, um, <laughs> <laughs> who are ready to share stuff and make themselves right. very vulnerable, right? Like putting yourself out there is challenging, and it's not right. for everyone. And so, um, honestly, the way that I the, the way that I've seen it is, it's been extremely critical and helpful for like for people noticing me or uh, those that are posting and allowing opportunities for uh for jobs right so when recruit yeah. recruiters are leveraging linkedin as a huge uh bed for uh finding good talent and so the more that you're engaged and the more that you that the more you're noticed frankly and the more opportunities yeah. that you might get and so to me, I think it's important, but just as important is the networking piece, right? So you can stay completely mm-hmm. off of um, the the um, social media piece, but keep, um, so I gave a talk during Dedicated actually about networking, no. considering it as a relationship building tool rather than just a transactional, you know, I'm gonna be friends with you, Ravid, but you know, I really just want you <laughs> to help me publish my book right now <laughs> Exactly. Um, but but nothing else and I only will be you know like we'll only be friends until I get what I need from you but really it's about Ah. creating these very long lasting relationships where you you don't Mm -hmm. only think about what you're getting out of the other person, but what you can give to them as well. And thinking Mm -hmm. of it as a balance and a two-way street, right? So um, you have something to offer, you just have to figure out what that is and how that other person will see value in the things you have to offer. And so um, Mm -hmm. through these networking events, through the conferences, you meet people, you create these relationships and hopefully build them and they become very important and critical In your journey?
0: No, I completely agree to that, uh, Sarah, because that's what I feel too. You know, sometimes it can get overwhelming on social media too. You might feel uh, the, you know, when you're going out there, obviously there are. Uh, uh, pros and cons to everything but at the same time you need to be that strong that if you're putting out something and if it's your opinion uh, people might like or might not like and it shouldn't be affecting you in any way rather you should not just get away with the you know with your purpose of uh, knowing people more networking more and uh, being there for each other rather than uh, wondering that okay i have my own opinion but uh, no one's talking about it it's all right it's just your opinion you're just coming out there and talking and yeah uh, well Maybe what I can what I can just clearly sense from what you've just uh, answered here is don't let it affect your mental health. Don't let it affect your uh, working. Just enjoy it. If you're getting on social media, network very well and make friends for life like you already did and uh, learn from each other. The most uh, you know important thing. Yeah. Also talking about uh, that, Sarah, we had a question from Alok. Uh, it was a little different where how to maintain a data scientist profile in this competitive environment and what are your views on mid phrase uh, top and algorithms in okay mlai
1: so how to maintain a compet- um okay how to basically like how to stand out i actually saw a very funny yeah. thing. Um, the other day where it was like in getting a job in the 1970s and it was like hi my name is you are like you're hired, <laughs> and he's like, you don't <laughs> game anything. He's like, you're hired, and then it's like getting a job in you know 2021. It's like here I have you know a bachelor's and masters. Uh, here's my references, and they're like, get out of mm. my place. You know I don't have time for you. So um, definitely, I mean, I think the the biggest thing that I would say here, um, mm. aside from kind of you know keeping up with your technical skills, I talk a lot about. Mm. The data nomad concept, which is really maintaining. Actually, this actually. Um, okay, so I'm going to re, re, reframe this. So, really, yeah. the, the soft skills is are going to be super mm. important. And the reason why I say that, and in combination with the courses that I that I'm developing, right? So it's wow. maintaining not just um, your strong technical data science data science um, skill sets, but also mm-hmm. understanding at all points how you're connecting with the business right so if you can find your niche uh within a specific domain or an industry that you really like um then under it really getting intimate with the business problems they're trying to solve will help you become very competitive right because the yeah. deeper you understand their issues the more that you can come in and solve but then I'll also say that, right, like coming back to this diverse diversity issue, right? Coming from mm-hmm. a diverse background can actually be very helpful if you know how to frame it in that sense, right? So if you say, hey, you know, I might not have, let's say for example, g- gaming expertise, but I have expertise mm-hmm. in other domain, but the problems we're trying to solve are very similar and we can adapt those uh, those methods and apply them here and we should, you know, we can come up with with creative solutions. And that's what I think that people are looking for, especially from the business domain, is how do we solve mm-hmm. problems creatively? Right. And right. The, the more you can you can be curious, the more that you can show that you're excited um, and right. that you have um an a near obsession over the problems they're trying to solve, <laughs> that will keep you very competitive. Because those are the skill sets yeah. that are actually much harder to find. Mm, I think.
0: I think. Yes. Uh, definitely. Uh, you know, soft skills are the most important thing today. Uh, I had Gilbert, uh, who who was earlier on the show, and he had uh, spoken about why soft skills are actually you know plays an important role. Even while we are talking today, uh, you know the expressions, the, the way we you know conveying things, how it's getting through is uh, makes a lot of uh, you know difference in the world out there. So, uh, I think yes, uh, uh, soft skills is one of the most important things out there. Also, um, uh, one quick question from Robert. Mm. What do you think helped you the most getting your first job?
1: Um, hmm. So, when I think about uh, hmm, my first job, I actually feel like I had forgotten a lot about what I had learned in undergrad. I (laughs) I was coming from an engineering mindset, so I'd forgotten a lot of my statistics. I think highlighting coming back to this idea of of extreme curiosity and near obsession, like not only will that help that did that did that help me in my landing my first job, but it helped me in landing Mm -hmm. every job after that as well. Is cause the domain you may or may not be. So this, I, this concept of a data nomad, right? Like, let me just address that right. for a second. So, um, mm. so I gave a talk during a data science connect last year and, um, mm. So I had just thought about this collective experience that we have. Right. So we talked about all of our data science journeys being unique. Um, Mm -hmm. It's not this standardized, traditional. I'm going to start in one company and just grow my way within that company anymore. Right. There's so many shiny objects, especially in big tech. Oh, look at these benefits, and we'll give you this and that. And so, our <laughs> lifespans within any particular company are are short, and so that requires us actually to be um, mm-hmm. uh, to be adaptable and to be okay with moving around into different industries and saying, okay, you know, I might not have the domain expertise right now, but I am infinitely curious in the problems you're trying to solve, and if you can convey that. Um, and show that you are confident. Um, and so like the, the books that, that I think about that shaped my, my journey really come down to building this confidence, right? It's how do you think about your mindset when you're going in, right? Are you gonna think about your failures as a definition of you, or are you gonna think of your failures as a stepping stone for getting better, right? And so how do you maintain your confidence through rejection, through people telling you that you you failed really hard, right? Um, so you can't use that as as um, or it's it's a lot of reframing, right? I think a lot of us did a lot of reframing in 2020 to, to overcome that um, <laughs>
2: yeah, it's
1: so true. but really being able to use that as a confidence builder rather than a confidence hinderer, right? So mm.
2: um
1: yeah like I would just say, Go in i like really get intimate with the business problems they're trying to solve, um come up with creative solutions, ask them a lot of questions about um that's I think actually what every interview that I've ever had, I've done more of the questioning. <laughs> Because <laughs> I'm so curious about what they're trying to do. And I want to know that I want that job. So I will go yeah. in and I will, cu- I will make sure that I'm prepared with the longest list of questions um, to make sure I understand the status of what I'm walking into, you know?
2: yeah
0: i think uh, robert gets his answer that uh, rather than you know interviewer uh, having many questions he should just go with uh, many questions if he's going for an interview that makes uh, a lot of sense uh, sarah thank you for that answer and yes uh, that brings me to an uh, important question from neerat satpal in a world where digital technologies are moving faster than many businesses can keep up with what tips you can give to data scientists to be proactive and get ahead of customer trends
1: that's a really good point. Um, yeah. So let me think about this answer. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, hmm. It being proactive, I mean, I think it still goes into like a lot of the things that I've been mentioning mm. already is like, getting intimate with the business problems. Yeah. The data sets are going to, um, actually, I really think of it as like an expand contract, right? So the way that I've been seeing data, um, uh, kind of, kind of work in this, this universe, especially with data ethics, right? So digital technologies, yes, we have a lot of platforms. We have a lot of data getting generated, but there's a lot of, um, policies and laws over what you can do with that data now. And so Mm. I'm very interested on the data ethics side to kind of see us start collecting a lot of user level data and PII, but then also going through this like expansion and contraction where we're like collecting, but now we're limited on how much we can collect and then how we can use that data moving forward. And so staying in tune with how the, the, um, the ecosystem is changing is important to under, like to understanding eventually how you're going to be leveraging yep. in models and analytics in strategy and business decisions. So mm-hmm. I, I would recommend just always being intimate with um, just kind of even making predictions of your own of okay, well, where do I based on what, what I've been seeing in the patterns yeah. in the space, do I imagine things are going to continue in this direction? And so, how is that going to impact my business? So, being curious, thinking ahead, um, looking ahead into the future, and picking up on where these trends are moving um, mm. is is very helpful.
0: I think there are many resources to uh, Sarah where uh, they can actually get the reports and they can feel that the business is going in what lane. And today, when we talk about data, there there's obviously data everywhere. There are many white papers, citations from data scientists writing about different industries. And yeah, that could be helpful. But uh, yeah, definitely great uh, uh, tip there, Sara. Uh, actually, it's like a follow-up question, but from someone else, Dr. Tariq. Uh, uh, there is a lot going on in the space nowadays. What do you think one should have his or her eyes on?
1: Um, should I mention uh, <laughs> I like should I mention my courses? I don't know. Uh, yes, definitely, there's lot, please. There's a lot of resources, and so <laughs> what I've noticed mostly is that um, this disconnect with um, learning the tools versus learning the mm. business. Right. And so, yeah, there's a lot of tools um, that are out there. I think that um, and I and I hate this pains me to even say, but Excel is a very powerful tool
2: <laughs> and <Yeah>. it is. <laughs>
1: but um, it's not where I want to live in my day to day but when i see that folks are very interested to get into the space and then want to move to the tools and 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 focus on learning those tools ahead of learning the business is where i start having an issue because if if i'm if someone is going to come to me and say, "Oh, I know Python, I know you know all these different um, ML uh, models, but I don't understand how it connects to the business," I it's not as valuable as someone who says, "I'm very creative in my in my thought process. I understand the business um, needs intimately. I understand how data works, and I can put together um, and I can put together a really cool analysis that'll help us strategize on the business need." <clears throat> and that i can teach the technical side too because there's a lot yeah. that is going on in in the data space where you know there's a lot of um there's a lot of movement for sophistication and in modeling yeah. techniques and 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 so on but what really drives the business forward are going to be oddly very simple things. <laughs> and if you can know how to do those simple things creatively and understand, mm-hmm. how to connect to the business, which is what I'm trying to do in my courses is really uh, at every stage of learning a tool is mm-hmm. un- and question yourself on how well you understand yeah. how this is going to impact the bottom line, or put yourself in in the shoes of the stakeholder and say, What am I going to do with this now that it's been created? Whatever
2: wow. that is. Awesome.
1: Right?
0: <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. I think uh, uh, that is so true. And also talking about your courses, uh, Sarah. Uh, can we just quickly actually show our audience about the courses that, is the website ready already? Let me just quickly turn on your website. Okay, here you go. Awesome. So this is your website. Is it, uh, are the courses yet launched or how do you plan to go about it? Uh-
1: Right. So um, I'm actually so I I'm, de- I'm in in the middle of developing the the Python workshop, all the contents are ready there. It's just a matter of putting it mm. live. So that course, if you go to courses, should show up there. Mm. It's available for um, pre sell currently. Um, and what, 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 what I'd love to hear from the audience as well is if there's anything specific, like a tool or ideas that you have on courses that are, that are interesting to you that can be mm. kind of connected to this business mindset, right? This is all about being data driven, but also considering yep. business as a part of your uh, data science journey, or as you're developing, you know, as you're thinking about yourself mm. as a Contributor, um to the, the business right and so it, it, in landing any job you're going to need to understand the needs of the business intimately so um, not i don't want to say leading or not leading with it but considering it as an important piece of your uh your learning journey right so nothing bothers me more than just going to a course and just seeing like how to learn the tool which i did right so Actually through um, at USC when I was teaching the data visualization course, it's like a fire hose of of information and and all these tools Mm. that they want you to learn. And something that I kept as a common as a thread throughout the entire course as as we were teaching is okay, don't just give me a really cool bubble chart. Tell me what it means. Understand why you're creating what you're creating and how someone is going to in 10 seconds understand what you did and be able to suss out where the strategy is going to be as a result of what you've done
0: awesome i think yes definitely but all the best for your courses uh sarah i uh definitely there's someone who has asked for a link (laughs) okay I will share the link with you, Patrick, Uh, and yeah, you can reach out to Sarah and have uh, questions about her courses that she's upcoming with. So when are you launching it uh, completely, like Sarah, when will all the courses be full-fledgedly up?
1: Well, so I'm aiming for um, early March to have the first one, and I have ideas already of of, um, uh, subsequent courses that I'll be creating. Um, It's just a matter of, I think (laughs) this is the biggest one now, is like, how, how do we balance our time in the midst of COVID? There's so much opportunity to just be super productive and overload yourself with work. And I love that. I've been diving deep into a lot of different things. I've been um, probably working more than I have uh, or very close okay. to how, how much I worked when I was uh, when I landed my first job and I was working at a startup because startup life is hard. Great. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean I'm hoping mid uh early March for the launch of the first one and then um as as we That's go, great. I'll just announce them online, and and uh, we'll, we'll keep in touch. Again, if anyone has ideas of topics that you're interested in 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 seeing, I think also the the thing that I really like about these courses is I come with a lot of energy, and it's something what that I had like noticed when I was actually this is something that I wanted to do. I want to say like eight years ago is create like fun interactive courses because. Yes. I don't know why we're, we're very dry and we just like go straight into the material and um, yeah. to engage folks in a very like interactive, fun manner really changes the way you learn. Right. And if you're having fun while you're learning, then you're retaining more. So that's something that I aim to do in these courses. And wow. so, hopefully I would love to hear uh, feedback and, and hopefully um, you guys enjoy them
0: awesome people can reach out at DataBridge analytics to check out uh, sarah's courses and don't forget to email if you have any questions or ideas for her and yes sarah uh definitely when you say making the courses more interactive it makes a lot of sense to me because i feel when we go out and we have a boring presentation people tend to you know get bored and then they're like okay but at the same time when someone like uh, uh, someone comes up with a very interesting uh, presentation or maybe making it more like a discussion where there's a question coming up for us as well. Uh, it it kind of, you know, you'll always remember those presentations and it's similar to courses that I can see in. Yeah, you are on the, I, I, what I can see is uh, definitely your courses will fly. Uh, so all the best for that. Thank you. So, uh, quick question from Harpreet, uh, important question. Um, I've been going through some uh, serious burnout lately and it's tough because you can't sleep it off. Uh, what are some things you do, you know, help you to get back to yourself uh, when you feel that burnout coming on? Very interesting.
1: Um, Harpreet, oh my God. I think I went through this literally yesterday. I was telling Ravi, like I can't, I feel <laughs> like I stressed myself True. out so much that yesterday I did a whole, like, a few hours of just self care. Like, I think awesome. that um, especially, so I massaged myself, I did some meditation, I think, especially in 2020, some, um, a really nice practice that I incorporated into my day to day, I think I was running for I was running anywhere from two on a bad day, um, to six miles every day. And I was meditating at the end. So I would either sit in the front of my building or I would sit um, in the middle of my run and I would just pause, take a pause from Mm -hmm. my day and I would do um, 10 minutes of uninterrupted meditation and breathing exercises. And it helped so much. And now I realize because once 2020 hit, I think the turn of the year and it just got so busy And it became almost normal to be working as much as 14 hours a day. And I was like, is this normal? And (laughs) Your expectations of yourself soar through the roof because you know if you did it once that you should do it again. And that's not really where you want to be or the expectations that you should have of yourself. Having time to yourself and having work-life balance is extremely important to maintaining consistency, right? It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. And so keeping yourself honest on, okay, I'm putting my work Aside, and I'm going to take some time for for me to do things that I enjoy. So one thing that I really love that's helped me is I picked up the piano. I bought a keyboard last year, and I hired um, a teacher to teach me how to play. And it's a beautiful escape um, to just challenge yourself to um, to pick up a new hobby, right? Because I think something that I don't know if anyone agrees with me on this, but all of my hobbies are related to data. And I was like, this can't be. <laughs> why are all my, why is everything I'm picking up related to data? I'm like, I'm becoming a one dimensional person. All my conversations are data related. And oh. I, and it's, and you don't want to be one-dimensional. You want to be able to have your hobbies. You want to be able to have time um, for other things and find enjoyment and things outside of your um, outside of your job and your career. So I encourage you, um, Heartbreak, to to pick up a hobby if you haven't already, and um, a one hundred percent go back to like breathing exercises and meditation. I I had to remind myself the other day how important that was. So.
2: Yeah,
0: no, I completely agree, you know, having that uh, self-care is very much important because uh, working for maybe 12 hours, 14 hours uh, can get you to uh, just another, it it might work for a day or two, or maybe a week, but after that, there is a, you know, a complete blockage to your head and then you can't think about anything. And uh, yes, I agree. Uh, definitely, Sarah, it's a marathon, not a sprint so i'll keep that in mind always too because it's about the long run right
1: yeah always. well so also another thing that i would say harpreet like, is um i think for us who are like highly involved and very ambitious and want to get involved with everything it's easy to say yes to everything and mm. our desire is not is to say yes because we think that we can do it right and we think there should be no reason why we can't and we we want to give our time and and help the community and um and or just pursue a business idea right and there's so much that you can say yes to that coming up with a prioritized log of like and, and this is something that I've actually done a little bit more um, mentally, not, not more written, mm-hmm. um, is understanding how the things that I'm taking on today are going to impact me or build on my uh, career trajectory in the next three to five years, right? Where do I see mm-hmm. myself in three to five years? And is what I'm taking on now contributing to that future goal? And if the answer yeah. is no, then, then just put it down on the prioritization list. It doesn't mean you never have to do it. Keep keep that idea alive, or keep that that relationship alive, so that you can take it on some other time. But just say no to it temporarily and prioritize other things.
0: Yeah, I think maybe taking on too many activities at the moment, or you know, just where you, where, where you're over, and there might be you know many glittery things might you know come your way but sometimes he's saying a no might help too. So yeah, that, that, that is very true. And uh, great tips there are about, uh, you know, how to not uh, get burned because I myself sitting here, I can learn so many things. So definitely that helped uh, Harpreet too. Uh, there were a few questions, a uh, few answers actually. Harpreet take a break and refresh with new ideas. I agree. Most of my hobbies are data related to <laughs> my sleep.
1: I don't know why we do that.
0: <laughs> Camden mm-hmm. says, I discovered breathing exercise in 2020, very helpful and maintain, uh, for maintaining focus. Definitely. Uh, quick question from Albert about your company and about your courses. Uh, Sarah, I came in late. What niche in the market are you serving with your site? How is it different from other competitors in the space?
1: Right. So the niche in the market is really one that I don't think really, I haven't really seen it um, exist. Mm-hmm. Why I thought it was a great opportunity to come in and really serve this, um, uh, this niche of where we're not just considering the tools that we're, that we're using, but also how it's related to the different domains that we're planning to get into. And so um uh most courses that you'll find online will say you know python for uh you know beginners and then it'll teach you the tools or tableau or you know various ml algorithms and um yeah. it's to understand the techniques but understanding how those techniques get applied to the business problems and I feel like now I'm just repeating myself a bunch. Um
2: <laughs> uh, <laughs>
1: Yeah, is really where um, you'll stand out as a as someone who's looking for a job or someone who's even looking to grow themselves within their uh, their 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 own respective industries or jobs. Like that's where I found I spend most of my time is not just maintaining my data science skill set, but it's also at every point understanding how my um my understand, my intimate understanding of the business and my communication skills to not just my peers but to leaders across um the organization and understanding their problems intimately and coming up with creative um ideas that m- they might not even thought about right so putting things in front of them and saying hey have you thought of this or have you thought of that right so since we have access to the data we get to be the most creative because we know uh we know what's available. Sometimes they don't even know what, what we're collecting and what we're not. And so us as the data folks, we have a, a unique um, position in the company where we can, if, we, if we're if we smart enough, right, we can be the ones driving a lot of that um, creativity, a lot of that strategy. Um, it's just a matter of, of uh, accepting that's a part of our role, right? Instead of just being yeah. It being the person who just executes on someone else's vision, having um, a voice in where that strategy goes is is extremely important.
0: No I see uh, you know uh, Sarah definitely you have your North stars very well in place when you talk about your projects and uh, I, I I'm very excited for your courses to just uh, you know come on. Uh, so yeah, all the best for that and uh, yeah definitely that helps uh, uh, Albert too. Uh, I had an interesting question from Jamie. Hey, Jamie, during the job search, uh, what are some best practices for featuring past projects in a public portfolio while still respecting the intellectual property of past clients? Thanks for loving this episode. Wow,
1: do you have an answer, Ravi?
0: (laughs) I think uh, it's about, uh, you know, uh, the the the. the the answer, what uh, I feel fits very well is uh, you can, when you talk about a public portfolio, you can never, it's always competitive. You can never have something, you know, where you'll be able to respect the intellectual property of past clients. Because today, if I'm working for PAC publishing, and if I go to uh, say O'Reilly or maybe any other publisher, there might be some places where I might be using those clients back in my day job. And uh, it will happen because I have had those relationships. But um, uh, it depends on person to person and the business role that you are changing your job in. Um, I think, yeah, it it has to happen. It is a mix of both. At the same time, it is very ethical to keep it, uh, you know, you're respecting it uh, very much. uh, you know your past clients need to be respected if you have signed in India. Uh, so don't don't even touch or don't even try to do that because it can get uh, you know it can just backfire. But yeah, I think that's what I think. What do you think, Sarah?
1: I think that's a great. I think that was a great answer. I think being somewhat yeah. vague into how you played a role in moving those initiatives forward without getting into the details could be a could be a great way of just um, yeah. Just highlighting your contribution, and in vague terms, <laughs> uh, referring to the overall impact of the project and your contribution. Um, I think someone, mm. I think someone just put up a very interesting question, which I like the idea. Um, organizing yeah. courses into a content-based like business. Yeah, business. exactly. I think that's a really great, um, great option, and I'll consider that as I as I start building exactly. things up, putting things into yeah. Like, in specific um, so yeah keep the keep keep those ideas coming I think um, understanding how they'll be most useful to um you know kind of those that are navigating the space um, is, mm. is very helpful in making sure that you guys are um, receiving the knowledge in the best way that is is helpful to you
0: yeah, exactly. I think uh, more the ideas, I think uh, more it gets you in a better space where you can actually uh, you know create some courses which might be uh, very much relevant to uh, something which is ongoing. Uh, but that that brings me to a question which I had for you, Sarah. Uh, how do you see you know it's a question, obviously we don't know uh, what will happen next year, but how do you see uh, data evolving in the next five years? What is your vision?
1: Yeah. Well, so I, like, like I mentioned at some point is I see it kind of mm-hmm. doing this expand contract, right? Um, I all like so there's there's different ways that we see evolution. I think data ethics, mm-hmm. data privacy is such an important piece of this, the data ecosystem. So what we'll be able to do with that data may get a little bit. It may expand it may become more fruitful in some ways but it may contract in other ways and so we're already seeing that with the release of iOS 14 so some most people yeah. are not data data they don't understand the implications exactly. of the things that live on our phones and all the data that's being collected mm. on us and then how it gets utilized into um mostly advertising, right? Um, exactly. So it, it's all about understanding personas. And once we understand personas, then we can create creatives that resonate with those personas, and we can increase our conversion rates. And yay, it's it's like it's, you know, driving this really well. <laughs> um, now, the things that end up happening is that uh, people start, you know, and, and this is great to see, by the way, is like this collective mm. understanding right the social dilemma came out and i'm i'm assuming exactly. most of the on here have watched the social dilemma to understand Definitely. how these these different systems work together and how we contribute to those well-oiled machines and exactly the choices that we make so every time you go onto a website now they have to tell you that they're collecting data on you and you have to accept their cookies. And when uh, when iOS 14 comes out, the default will be to not collect um, rather than to collect. So you have to opt in rather than opt out, which is a great, um, I think a great a movement in Right. And so everything's a trade-off. So it's a move (laughs) for us as consumers, but on the data side, now we fall into a, uh, fall into a different um, challenge. Mm -hmm. How can we on aggregate start understanding our users rather than at a very personalized level, but there's ways to get around that with hashes and and whatnot. Um, And you can encrypt the data in Mm -hmm. different ways and still get um, get, Ideas of personas and stuff, but now it gets harder to merge things across systems, right? So, um, what's what's really interesting in in the space of advertising is that you want a holistic picture, and so you'll take third party mm. data and, and 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 merge it with your first party data, and it becomes this very nice, rich data set. And you can do so mm. much with it, and we see that now becoming more and more challenging and more and more limiting and so what we'll need to be able to do is really adapt our 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 ideas and kind of go back to how we used to do things right? <laughs> and so it's a yeah. step forward and then a step back it's just so it's this, this interesting game of moving one step forward ten steps back one step forward ten steps back so um so, yeah, interesting stuff. Keep, I'd, I'd keep in the loop of all these these uh, movements towards data privacy. I would keep yourself, uh, like, mm-hmm. very much in tune of how um, the data that we collect is going to be, uh, you know, um, changed mm-hmm. by the different policies that are being made. Obviously, we're seeing a lot of um, various, uh, you know, debates going on and, and mm-hmm. you know, government getting involved uh, in a lot yeah. of the policies that are that are meant to uh, protect us, so expand, contract. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but at least from the data science roles perspective, I think I've definitely seen things get a little bit more defined, right? And so in a space where I think when I was teaching my data visualization course, we're looking for data unicorns, which I know it's still nice to find data unicorns. I exactly. think it, as companies are evolving and recognizing, okay, what we're going to do with each person, the roles get more defined. And so what you need to focus on in terms of skill sets becomes a little bit more defined. Right. And so it Mm -hmm. makes it easier on us. So the expectation is not we need to know everything. It's that we need to now Mm -hmm. and be really good at this small subset of skills. Um, so that's one thing that I think is a, is, is a, a great evolution, um, <laughs> into the next five, 10 years is that, uh, we'll yeah. be a little bit more focused on what we need to know and the expectations of ourselves.
0: Mm, that makes, actually brings me, when we are talking about so much data here, that brings me to an important topic, which is data literacy. And, uh, also what, what do you think about data literacy? How many people are data literate today or what are the three important things that you actually think uh, you know uh, is important uh, to know about uh, data
1: yeah so this one was really interesting so i um mm-hmm. okay so i don't know who else got very involved in politics last year
0: yeah <laughs> everyone did i'm
2: sure
1: I think that that it was it was an al- almost no brainer for me um, with the presidential election. Obviously, everything that happened with the pandemic, all the social unrest. It was just really hard to not be very involved in the political sphere um, last year um, and le- leading up to last year. So, what I did, I I, I figured that. Um, what I was seeing actually like a bunch of people on LinkedIn were posting all these like really erroneous, uh, data visualizations from, uh, yeah. uh of COVID trends and the predictions were off. And obviously we were dealing with very messy data at, at the time, but like the visualizations that were meant to help us understand, mm-hmm. um, the trends or even the status were built by people that maybe didn't even understand, uh, the data or yeah. the implications of what they were putting out there. And so there were a lot of wonky visualizations that came out of (laughs) it. But then also like um, uh, statements and implications based off of that, 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 that were potentially wrong as well. Right. So, Mm -hmm. um, so from that standpoint, I realized, you know, there's so much opportunity for us who are in the data space, and who are um, like, who are data literate, right? Um, to have an impact in this space. So when I think about data for social good, I actually just started, I just joined. So Code for America is um, an organize, a nonprofit organization that is looking to take the data that's publicly available, right? Like open data and now use it to help our communities. So I joined um, the Hack for LA, which is the LA uh, brigade for Code for America. Yeah. And I'm working on developing these data literacy workshops for the public, but also for the organizations that are helping assist these communities that don't have people who know enough about the data to help build and support the community in ways that we need to. So in, 2000, uh, in 2009, Obama actually opened up data.gov. And data.gov is an open source, it has um, over 100,000, maybe now over 200,000 da- open uh, data sets that are being uh, released at the local, uh, state, and federal level. And those are really nice, small, and big data sets that can be used for social good. And you'll see, like, so as a part of Hack for LA, they took 311 data. So, 311 data is like if you have something that is going on in your community and you want a, someone uh, at, at, at the city level to know, you call 311 and you you put in that, that, um, that report, and then that re- gets okay. recorded somewhere. But then visualizations get built off of it, and then then it just lives on a website and no one's using it, right? So, So how do you educate the public to understand how this data is theirs, how they can leverage it, how they can coming back to this idea of strategy, how can they strategize and actually do something with that data rather than just have it live somewhere where no one's using it, no one in the organization is doing anything about it. Um, and, and, And this all ties back to understanding the business intimately. And in this case, the business is the city functioning properly, right? Like how do you make sure the city is functioning properly? Where do you find the data sets to answer those questions? And if the data doesn't exist, go create that data, create surveys, create ways of getting um, public engagement so that you can start helping the communities in ways
0: yeah i think uh, you know that that actually got me very close to data literacy now <laughs> now i can understand because it's not only about putting the visualization out there or maybe you know just uh, keeping it there and uh, that's it but it has more to it which which is actually the pressing issue right now
1: right i think robert said something very interesting right he said i think yeah. the politics It could lead to political bias data is data so the thing about like political data is having these conversations are actually very challenging and that's actually something that so i gave i gave a talk not not i think last week um at abd Mm -hmm. society and i just took like two random data they weren't random but i took two data sets Mm -hmm. and i just started joining them and i was just like trying to start a conversation about it because political issues are not the same political issues can or cannot be social issues, and social issues are important, but social issues are infinitely challenging, right? And this is where understanding where, uh, like, and connecting with people, sometimes even doing interviews, right? And that can be very time-consuming, understanding who your stakeholders are and really understanding the needs of the community before you dive into a problem is extremely important. And having conversations around what the data is saying, and there could be biases in the data, so how do you accommodate for that? Or go collect new Mm. data if you need to. I think these are all very, very, very important issues, which is why I've been somewhat incentivized to kind of play even a small role (laughs) in in, in moving that forward. And so it, 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 most Some of us will be like, no, that's not for me, which is okay. But for those who yeah. are interested, I think it might, be, um, it might be a nice way to even volunteer your time. So that's what I'm doing through Hack for LA is just volunteering my time, <clears to see throat> where I can have like a small little benefit um, to, to kind of, um, you know, helping the conversations be driven in the right way.
0: Yeah, I think, yes, uh, definitely that's Robert true. would agree yeah. to that. So are you planning to have any course on data for social good in your courses?
1: I think that's a a really, uh, yeah, I think that's a great um, highlight. (laughs) Um, I think definitely having something there where we're looking at, because there's so much to be understood about what's publicly available. How did each of the, the, there's... um, there's different, uh, every state now has its own um, site where they're pub- where they're publishing data sets there and yeah. each of yeah. them will have their own portals. And so um, mm. yeah, we, can, we can do a course on that. And I think that's a really a, a big one yeah. that I'd love to focus on and get more people involved.
0: Yeah, I think you have me <laughs> signed up Sarah for sure for this one, <laughs> okay. A uh, question from Mayowa. Uh Thank you for this time, Sarah. Bridging diversity uh, cap in data science, to what extent has LinkedIn community been a help? Mm-hmm. Is there any platform that addresses that? Uh, how do you think you can help those with little or less connection within the community? Mayowa.
1: I mean, I personally will say that at least from my, in, even my initial, like it was comes back mm. to the, the first, um, uh, thing I, I mentioned at the top of the call is how I even got involved. And that yeah. this is huge for the for for the data science community is um, having these conversations over like and having a platform to do that um, was extremely important I think for for increasing visibility number one. So I've seen so yep. many posts where where every where people from all different backgrounds and and all, all like are, are being highlighted and, and this is the platform really to help those who are forming these conferences that seem may, maybe male centric or um, whatever centric, right? To look at and see the plethora of um, of top talent that is online and yeah. started generating lists. So I remember when there were conferences a, a few years back, I think we've come a long way since then um, where yeah. it was all I mean, for the lack, I mean, if I remember correctly, all white men. And I was like, oh, come on. <laughs> and so, like, the diversity problem is, is a two way street, right? It's us being empathetic to, hey, maybe they don't know yet that, that this is important, right? Um, mm. But also being able to surface to them and making them aware, like, hey, look, there is top talent and here's where to find it. And so then creating these lists, right. I see a lot of people posting up, Hey, these are the people you should follow. These are top talent, whether they're posting a lot or not, they're good in their own right. And should be kind of brought to light and kind of, um, given, you know, exposure. Um, I've seen that a lot. And so from, from LinkedIn as a platform to help that, I think it's been amazing. Um, a lot Mm -hmm. of people, are have been given a voice and i feel like everyone deserves a voice on here to kind of create their brands or talk about really? the
2: data,
1: topics that they're that they're looking to talk about to increase visibility um yeah. so so 100 i think linkedin has done a great job um in, in, in oh, yes. doing that so uh, yes stay, Definitely
0: engaged. <laughs> stay engaged be on the community and uh keep using linkedin and you'll have a uh, I think, like uh, Sarah just mentioned uh, some time back, it's uh, it's not a sprint; it's a marathon. You will meet many people here. Uh, you might, uh, you know, come across many experiences that might help you in your, you know, data science journey, and that's what will keep you going. Okay, another question from Ayush Jain: uh, Would your courses cover MLOps as well while covering the business application aspects? Most courses in the industry lack that, due to which data scientists find it difficult on real world projects
1: okay so, yeah that might not be like a first uh thing that i tackle right away but that could be something mm-hmm. that i incorporate um kind of l- later on in the court in the courses so yeah. d- definitely have a roadmap for <laughs> where i'm going with that <laughs> i'm excited to see so much engagement and and questions on the courses it means that there's um it means that oh, there's yes. An, an audience and a desire to have that connection, right? And so, um, from 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 the ML technical side um, to mm. the business side, and so I'm really I'm really excited. I'm I'm uh, to to see all these questions and all this engagement. So,
0: yeah, Samuel, and that's where you can uh, data bridge analytics is uh, Sarah's side. You can go and you know keep a tap on it because April is when uh, Sarah is planning to launch all her courses, most of them. And that's where she starts, obviously. But uh, right now, I think, uh, Sarah, what folks can do, can they sign up on this one? Okay. Oh, yes. Yeah, so
1: you um, so you can uh, click to enroll and sign up. Um, there's the, the Python yeah. courses there, so you can um, go ahead and enroll mm-hmm. in that. And I'll start, I mean... A, 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 it seems like there's so much engagement. So I think I need to go prior- reprioritize my backlog of things to do. <laughs> <Speaking> <laughs> about, uh, backlogs and and having so much to do. So um, I'm actually very excited. And so if you want to connect with me over LinkedIn and and ask me any questions that you have um, and, and yeah. help develop what that roadmap looks like, I think I have a pretty good one um uh in in my yeah. mind especially after this talk um have have a much better sense of it, exactly what what the community is looking for so super excited to build those out super excited to work on this together
0: very excited for you sarah and <laughs> definitely there's so much energy in there uh quick question sarah before we wrap up and before okay. we say bye to the audience uh, it was about uh, since we were talking about conferences How, uh, first of all, which is your favorite conference and uh, uh, I know it's kind of very difficult and it might uh, sound very biased if you say, okay, okay, which are the conferences, I'll just reframe it and I I might just ask you this way, which are a few conferences that you might, uh, you know, uh, suggest to our audience that they should attend and they might uh, get a lot of insights there
1: right so the few that i've been involved in mm-hmm. in the past um data science go i uh, yeah, so much energy um i've been involved yeah. for a few years in a row it's always amazing to wow. see what he's able to pull yeah. together so definitely did a shout out to um Kirill and his team and the data science go team um we mm-hmm. mentioned cated. so amazing at putting together those conferences. Um, I w- briefly was able to watch the, the small round table with Eric and, and Ben um, and, and a lot of amazing other speakers. And so that was um, really, really fun to watch. Very, very informative. Um, a great way to connect with the community there and they're like rapid fire mm. uh, um, talks. And so they really,
2: yeah.
1: you know, they challenge you to get a lot of information in at once Um, And then the other one, data science connect. So I did that. That's where I gave my talk on data nomad. Um, That was a really fun Mm -hmm. one. I really love what Amelia is doing. So actually, um, one that uh, another um, talk that I might give this year is, um, so I love our idea of focusing on K through 12. So right now, our focus has really been on um, helping those who have already, you know, graduated with their bachelor's degrees and master's degrees and are looking to either um, enter the field or grow themselves within the field. But now taking yeah. a step back and looking at like, when does this passion actually start? And can we start creating, you know, can we start um, helping children as they're growing up mm. and get and a better sense, right? Like, so even when I was growing up, my mom was like lawyer, doctor, engineer, right? Like she doesn't even know what I do. Half the time she's okay. like, so what do you do again? <laughs> 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 so like educating them from a young age and helping them get inspired and seeing, like connecting with the work that they'll be doing in the future and um, wow. easing them into it at a young, younger age, I think is um, and inspiring them young is is going to be like really great initiative. And so that's uh, one conference that I'll be definitely doing this year. And she has a lot of Mm -hmm. others that she's planning. So I would look out for uh, Data Science Connect as well.
0: Data Science Connect, amazing. So, I think I was uh, on the, both of the conferences with, and I've been attending KDEL's conference. Obviously, Data Gated is one of my favorite conferences too. But uh, Data Connect, definitely going out there and checking this one out. Uh, and I'll be sharing the links with the uh, audience so they can have a look at it. And definitely, uh, Sarah, uh, I hate to say this, uh, goodbyes are not good, but uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, you know, it was one of the most interesting conversations I ever had uh the energy i felt uh, you know people actually uh, as a host people come back to me and they're like okay you you have some energy but today i felt the guest here sarah you had so much energy and it brought so much uh, there were so many questions in there obviously we couldn't take all the questions but uh, i request you if you have uh, sometimes just go back and you know if you can run through those questions if uh, all, there are many questions about the courses too so yep. it might help you build your roadmap. And we are definitely looking forward to the courses that are coming up in April too. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh,
0: DataBridgeAnalytics.com is uh, Sara's uh, be- website. And I would urge everyone to go and visit and have a look and suggest some uh, great courses that you would want from Sarah. Um, also, Sara, one last question before uh, we make a move where if people want to reach out to you and talk to you about your courses and about data world and all of those things, uh, which is the best way? I know one is LinkedIn, the other way, if they need to reach out to you.
1: I think honestly, LinkedIn has been just the, the awesome. source for me. And so the, that's the best way to connect with me. And I'm very, I, I tend to be very responsive to thoughtful connections. Um, if it's a non thoughtful connection and you just, and, and it's, you know, there's nothing there, <laughs> yeah. Harder to build those relationships, so, um, yeah, exactly. I, I appreciate uh thoughtful connections, and so I'm I, I tend to be very um communicative on there. So if you want to connect with me on LinkedIn, go for it.
0: Okay, Sarah, someone just cracked okay, Dr. Tarek just <laughs> <laughs> cracked the screen. Oh, wow, well, okay, my God. Sarah, uh, it was a pleasure talking to you. We will. Uh, meet soon again on the Ravit show. But until then, uh, have a great day. Bye. Thank, you, so Thank you very much. You. Thank you, everyone.
2: Bye, everyone. Bye.